RadioInfluence.com. The future is now. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Live Bold and Boss Up show. Today, we have our very first guest. Let me introduce him to you guys. He is a technology executive, entrepreneur, and philanthropist. He is the founder and chair of Think Big for Kids, which is a nonprofit organization that helps our underprivileged youth. He co-founded Tribridge in 1998, led the company through acquisitions and integrations. Under his guidance, it grew from a startup to a $175 million company with over 850 team members across the world. He has been on and still is board member for several companies currently. And he has received many different awards. Uh, One of them is the Executive Entrepreneur in Residence for the Tampa Bay Wave. Uh, Numerous leadership awards, including the EY Florida Entrepreneur of the Year Award in Technology. And he is in the Business Hall of Fame at the Florida State University. And many more I probably could go on forever. Welcome, Tony DiBenedetto. Hey guys, how you doing? Hey, welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank no. you for being here, yeah, being our very you. first guest. I feel special. So, a couple of questions. Um, obviously, you have a great background. What did you always, or did you always have an appetite for creating companies? You know, it's funny. The, the word entrepreneur has been thrown around a lot the last 20 years. And when I was a kid growing up and really up until maybe my mid thirties, I didn't ever really knew what that word meant. Um, but when I was little, um, if you want to go that far back, I did have a little bike repair business in the neighborhood. Uh, I don't think it lasted very long. Uh, so I did do that. And then I had a, a good friend of mine, a guy named Larry Siegel, um, from high school, but in college, we really connected. He was a roommate and he was so entrepreneurial, such a risk taker. I always thought he was crazy. Um, but the more I got to know what he was doing, I realized what he was doing. He was creating jobs and he was creating businesses. And so all through college, I almost went to school on just hanging out with this guy. One of the crazy things he did is he was importing art from Brazil into Tallahassee, Florida, and I was working for him in the flea market selling this art. He was buying it for super cheap, and we were selling it for like 10x. And so I never, again, I wouldn't use the word entrepreneur, but in terms of the idea of starting or running companies, it was at that moment, hanging out with Larry at the flea market in Tallahassee, that I was like, oh, this is this is me. Again, I thought Larry was really crazy, you know, because he was doing this. But in essence, he was training me how to be an entrepreneur. And then the other um, kind of moment that it seems goofy now as I thought about it, but one of my goals when I was in my 20s and late teens was I always thought I would own a professional sports team. I was super into sports, played sports, you know, growing up like like a lot of kids. And I didn't realize how expensive they were, but I always thought in the back of my mind, oh, I'm going to run a sports team. So I think those things like for me started to galvanize in my brain that I should be um, running businesses, starting business, et cetera. And then I don't know if I'm giving you too long an answer, no, but good. The, the, the last part of it is I thought 
through that question is everywhere I went, like I, I got a job at a college and I worked for Arthur Anderson. And I was constantly trying to change their business. So I was always, oh, we should do this better and we should do this better. And always had like an interest in the business model and all that. Not for any like purpose. It was really um, just because I like to improve things. So I used to have these meetings at my house. And I don't know if my old boss even knows this, but every like maybe third or fourth Friday, we'd have some beers at the house or whatever. And three or four people would come over and we'd talk about changing the firm. And so, I, you know, that was 22 when I started that. So I think after that, I just kind of knew and used to tell my direct boss at Anderson that every year I was going to leave. For 10 years, I'd say, oh, I'm going to leave next year and I'm going to start my own company. And then I did while I was at the firm. But So I think it's just been in me. I'm also not a person that follows rules very well, so it's hard for me to kind of listen and obey, which makes me a terrible boyfriend or husband, <laughs> but a good entrepreneur. I love that. So interesting. So how did you get into technology? You know, when I was a kid, and I'm much older than the two of you, um, they didn't have computers in school, and there weren't really the personal computer was was nascent. Really, I think IBM had just launched in 1982, I think, or maybe 81. They launched the IBM PC. It's not like everybody had one, but there were some gimmicky kind of little kits. Um, and I was dating a girl in high school um, whose dad was a master mechanic for GM. And they sent him, I'm not sure he even knew why, they sent him a computer. It was a TI-99, Texas Instrument 99. And it came with like a little software program for teaching basic, which was a computer language. And so he looked at me and he liked me and he said, I don't know anything about a computer. Why don't you mess with it? And I was decent at math and I had people tell me I should look into computers. I'd never been on one. And... Um, so I just picked it up and I started learning how to program. And I, my very first program I ever built, I was 16. And again, for most kids, that'd be like, oh, he was old. But back then there wasn't access. Right. Um, but at that time, it was kind of cool. And I built a little trivia, movie trivia uh, software program. And that moment, like that idea of creating something from scratch and learning something new, that combination for me, I was like, ooh, this is really neat. And so when I got to Florida State two years later, and they asked, you know, like, what do you want your major to be? Again, I still didn't really know that much about computers. I'm like, oh, I'm a computer guy. You know, because it just sounded okay. <laughs> sounded and good. Yeah, okay. so I actually got into it that in that direction. Um, but then, as I got into it, that first you know my freshman year, my sophomore year, and I started doing research, I realized it was the future. So what kept me in it is, oh, this is kind of the future of the way that we're all going to work and live and all that. Now, never in a million years did I know at that time Stephen Jobs and Bill Gates would do what they did um, to make it so consumable for us on an everyday basis. But I knew that there'd be, this was a new thing where there weren't a lot of rules. So it it fit a personality that, I, I, I was extremely undisciplined based on my upbringing. And so it really fit me a lot to be in something so new and fresh. Um, so that that's, that's how it started. I love that you really started as a kid, more or less, right? Because everyone always asks children, oh, what do you want to be when you are when you grow up? And it's like, well, when are you grown up, right? Like, why can't you ask them, what do you want to do now, right? Like, lemonade stand, great. That's an entrepreneur, right? Like, Absolutely. You should feed that. I love it. I think passion, you know, I have two kids, two, two girls, and... Um, 
one of them is probably close to your guys' age, so she's an adult, works in D.C. She, her, for her entrepreneurial experience or whatever, when she was in sixth grade, she did um, a project for her middle school, and she got into water and water conservation, and she went all through high school, all through college. She's now in her second job working um, for the Air Force and the Pentagon in water um in the water conservation and policy part of the of the world, and all of it started with a passion as a kid. So I totally, Ash, I totally agree with you that if you can figure out what kids' passions are and then get them to do more of that and build a life and a career around it, I think you'll have more productive adults, you'll have happier adults, and that is a part of Think Big for Kids, actually, so it's so funny that you said that, but we start kids out there with journaling, and we don't ask them what career they want to do. We ask them what they like. Right. And they just start journaling just words that they like. I like puzzles. I like people. I like food. This one little kid I remember once said, man, I love food. He, he was a little chubby kid, you Aww. know, and he, and he was probably like 11 or 12 or he's probably 12. And he's like, I, you know, you can't make a career out of that. I'm like, oh yeah, you can. You could be a chef. You could be a food broker. You could be a critic. That's awesome you can that see, you were able to yeah. just Grow that, grow that. that yeah, and, 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 and he passion, just, yeah. yeah, and he just lit up. Like he just thought, well, I love food, and uh, but he didn't know what to do with that. You know, like he didn't have anybody kind of guiding him towards what does that really mean, and can I make a life out of that? Right. And he can. I mean, you name a passion, and you can figure out a way. To your point, be entrepreneurial with the passion and turn it into a life and a living. So, right? Was was creating Think Big for Kids different since it was a nonprofit? Was it different than any of your other technology? technology companies or how is it different if it was? Yeah, I think that's a cool question. You know, um, hmm. when I think about it isn't, you know, it's a 501c3, so it's an organization that's a not-for-profit. But a lot of the basics of starting a company are really the same. Like, everything for me always starts with mission. And I think of mission as, you know, what am I, what do I believe in? What is the religion of what I believe in here? And so when I start any company, whether it was TriBridge or any of the companies I'm involved with, I got to connect with its purpose. And so to me, that's the mission. Whether it's a nonprofit or not, mission has been the center of kind of everything I've done. Um, so I think if you think about mission, vision, values, all of those things you have to do in a non-for-profit, you have to do in a for-profit. And then you think about all the elements that make it successful, whether it's having a good strategy, having the right people, having a good plan to execute against that vision and that mission that you talked about. All that exists, whether it's a non-for-profit or not. There's definitely a different um, tone when you run a non-for-profit. I think the mission is louder. I think think it tends to be more front and center than it is in a for-profit, but that's not always true. Chick-fil-A is an example where they have their mission kind of front and center. I felt like Tribridge, um, we, we always said our mission was to improve the lives of other people by serving them, and we built our strategy around that concept. So um, I think you can be front and center with mission in, in a for-profit, but I think it's just at a different volume typically, um, but they're very similar. Obviously, the accounting and the taxes and some of that's different. Mm -hmm. But I think my approach anyway to non-for-profit has been we're going to treat it like we do a for-profit in many, many respects. So how did you think of Think Big for Kids? 
Wow. Um, I would call a lot of things I do evolutionary, um, meaning that they germinate somewhere in my life or in my mind. And then over time, by the time they come out, they feel like they've been launched, but they usually have been working for like a long time. I would go way back to my childhood for Think Big for Kids and say it probably started for me. um, I I lived in poverty um, most of my uh, um, pre-18 life. And uh, my mom was a 17-year-old drug drug addict and got pregnant um, and eventually married my dad. And that didn't work very quickly. And so he left and she uh, gave us to my grandparents. um, And then we wound up living um, and then they passed when I was 12. And so from 12 on and even prior to 12, like I lived in 15 different homes. And so, you know, I was a happy kid, though, so don't feel bad for me. I was very content with my life and all that. But in that experience, I had a lot of people um, really help me. And so, um, you know, helped me graduate from high school, which was a big feat in our family. There weren't high school graduates. And then go to college and get trained in a field that I was passionate about. And then so that whole experience is really the beginning of Think Big in that other people were thinking big for me, you know, and pushing me forward. And so the minute I had any means, the minute I had a real professional job and moved to Tampa and uh, when I was 22, I started giving back and really connected with the Boys and Girls Clubs because they uh, were focused on a population of kids that I could resonate with. Mm -hmm. And so at first it was just volunteering and then it was writing checks and then it was building programs and then it was building scholarship programs and putting computer labs in. So over about a 20-year period, I I built a really good relationship with three executive directors there. And we did a lot, you know, and I kept learning different things, you know, and all of that, all of this learning and and resonating and I started going on a speaking circuit for for the Boys and Girls Club and I'd go to clubs all over the country and tell my story and just try to really connect with kids that maybe didn't have a traditional upbringing whatever that means um, and just say hey it's possible you gotta you know take care of yourself and build a plan on your own and take charge of your kind of your life direction and um, get educated and that didn't mean college educated but you had to be educated in something mm-hmm. and then you could execute against that and, and you could do anything you want, you know? So in the mix of that, um, probably about four and a half years ago, I was in Miami at one of these speeches. And it's funny because I was not doing well, although I thought I was, you know, that moment where you're not you're not really aware of how bad you are. So I was doing one of these many speeches I do, and it's usually about an hour and I was fired up. I felt like I was at this, you know, almost like a Baptist revival um, (laughs) where the audience was screaming and I was screaming and like, it was just fire. Like I thought I was really into it and probably 10% of the 400 people there were connecting with me. And, I was focused on it and I was patting myself on the back in the back of my brain. And then I noticed that the other large percent of the people were bored and they weren't connecting. And it dawned on me that I had spent a lot of time helping people that were on the right path, meaning, yeah, they might have been poor, but they were getting good grades or they were raising their hand or somebody noticed them. And in just that moment, it was almost like slow motion. I literally stopped the speech and looked up and started asking those other kids different questions. And what I what I took away from that moment was, Tony, you could do so much more. And I was really mad at myself 
for not recognizing this earlier. What about all the other kids that aren't paying attention? What about all the other kids in poverty? How do you develop something that is more inclusive of more kids? So came back, and uh, I know this is a long answer. No, this is great, though. um, Cool. So came back, and... um, Jenny Tribby uh, was ran PR and part of marketing for Tribridge, and I stuck her in a room with me for three days. She probably hates this experience, <laughs> and I had a big white like all the walls were painted, so you could write on them. And we just started writing all the things we had learned over twenty years. You know, at what age does a kid start learning? At what age do these kids give up? But do scholarships work? How does mentoring work? What do what do big brothers do? I called Pam Iorio, former mayor of Tampa, who's running nationally Big Brothers and Big Sisters, and went to school on that and we just wrote this program on the board which turned out to be Think Big for Kids and uh, I called a couple folks because I said there's going to be a lot of stakeholders in this there's going to be the kids of course our number one stakeholder but we can't do this program without businesses in Tampa or in in the local business community we can't do it without local government and the school system and parents and so we started reaching out to different constituents and got them to buy in so I called Chris Lestos who was the executive director of the Boys and Girls club he loved it he just this was like june of 16 i think and he had a meeting in august of 16 with all all over florida they were bringing all the executive directors in and he wanted me to pitch the group on this concept and then i called brian murphy of ReliaQuest, who i think you guys know mm-hmm. and i called jody hanneke of hanneke design i said look if i pull this off i'm going to pitch the boys and girls club here's the deck um i want to know if you guys are going to be in in, in on this with me and found this organization with me and both of them in 10 minutes of just talking about what the problem is and what the solution could be we're all in they're like Tony man we're all in on this so really thankful for that friendship and those guys giving me kind of that encouragement and so we pitched the Boys and Girls Club when we signed a pilot agreement with them in August of 2016 and frankly it's uh, it's been a f- phenomenal ride the last four years Tony, that is so inspiring. That is a great story, and I think it, you know, can really reach a lot of people. And just hearing that, just mm-hmm. it inspires me. Do you see this staying local or taking it national? Where do you see Think Big going? Yeah, you know, we do three big things in Think Big, um, and and I think it can expand nationally. But let me tell you what those three things are, and then how we think they can expand kind of as the three programs. So um, our goal with Think Big is to change the cycle of poverty. So to work with kids that live in poverty, um, starting with the sixth grade. And we have three pillars to the program. One is career exploration. So mm-hmm. Ashley, exactly what you said earlier is we really programmatically help kids find their passion. So we bring in companies like your guys' company at Next Path, or all the many business partners that we have that um, Bank of America or a local trade group like JDP Electric, and just they come in and showcase um, what happens at their job just to get kids excited. So we've got kids that are 12, 13, and 14 years old, and we have these businesses all over the Bay Area, and they're telling kids and showing kids in a hands-on way what's possible. Typically, after three years and 50 or 100 of these showcases, cases that we do, kids walk away with an understanding like, oh, I could be a chef or I could be a recruiter for Next Path or I could be a technology executive at Tribridge. And so we spend a lot of time on that pillar. 
by the time they get to the end of eighth grade, you know, they're going to enter high school. And what I learned from my early days with the Boys and Girls Club is if they wait too long to kind of pay attention to what classes they take or grades they get, you start eliminating jobs. So in, in the beginning of ninth grade, you get a mentor. So the second pillar is mentoring. It's probably the most critical one because you get somebody in your field that works with these kids on an everyday basis, or not everyday basis, on a once a month basis, and they help them figure out what's my career plan, what classes should I take. They work on skill building. They work on character building, which is probably just as important as any of it. And they are with that kid up until getting that first job. And then the third pillar is job readiness and placement. So we want the kids to stay in the program till they get that first job. And it's everything from internships, apprenticeships, it's um, scholarships to college, it's scholarships to tech school, it's scholarships to a trade um, licensing. And so we've got partners that just do scholarships, we've got partners that do mentoring, we've got partners like you that do everything for us, um, which we're so grateful for. And at the end of the day, we believe that we're either doubling or even tripling the starting salary for these kids that would have gone down a different path. They probably wouldn't have gotten the education. And now they can get a job as like take an electrical contracting job. You can graduate from high school at 18 years old. You don't have to be a straight A student. And you can go work for one of our partners at 18, get paid. At the end of a four-year period, while you're working and getting paid, you'll get all your licensing and you'll be making $55,000 a year in four years. Um, that's very similar to four years of college and coming out of college and getting a tech job. And so a lot of kids don't know that. And we find that kids, once they see that path, it just changes their mind about what's possible. So I know I didn't answer your national question. Each of those pillars, you know, they scale differently. Currently, we can do career showcases that we can do with a company in Tampa, Florida and show it to any kid in the world. So we have the ability to videotape any of it, put it in our YouTube channel, Think Big for Kids, and allow our kids to see what the different jobs that are out there. We do those live when there's a non-COVID world. But in the meantime, we can we can expand that program nationally. And we're, we're talking to a number of companies now that want to just do that. They want access to the content. The mentoring right now is a little bit location-specific. So we need mentors in locations where kids are. We can do, obviously, some mentoring over Zoom or, um, or our Microsoft Teams or whatever. But it's not the same. It's not the same relationship building. So we will roll out more and more virtual mentoring over time. Um, so that will grow nationally. And then job readiness and placement, um, I, I do think we'll be able to do that from different locations, and we're experimenting with that. So currently we're serving 1,500 kids in the Tampa Bay area in Pinellas and um, Hillsborough County, and we partner with the Boys and Girls Club. We're in 16 clubs. Many of those clubs are in middle schools and high schools across the Bay Area. But we're also in talks with a number of other locations, folks in Philadelphia, folks in Charlotte, folks in Tallahassee, Florida. We're launching a campaign for a elementary school. Um, renovation project with mentors from Florida State University here in the next week. And so it's our first, our first work in Tallahassee, Florida. And so I do think our program's going to scale nationally. Um, we're very growth-minded, but we're going to use the funds that we collect locally for local programming right. and use the funds in those other markets for monies that we collect there. That makes sense. I'm sure a lot of people listening are wondering how can they help as an individual or maybe 
maybe there's other companies that want to know how they can help. And it kind of sounds like you answered that, right? Mentoring, um, you know, just kind of being involved. But is there any maybe specific thing that, that you can share that you haven't shared already where they can help? Yeah. <clears throat> We, for one, you can call us um, either look for us at thinkbigforkids.org or send an email to tony.debenedetto. I can't even say my name. <laughs> thinkbigforkids.org. You could do that. Um, but we take volunteers both to build the organization, but also to your point to deliver services. So mentoring is one. Um, one of the things that people can do that takes maybe six minutes is do a small videotape um, that you do at home on your on your laptop and just um, we can give you all the instructions and you can talk about how you got into a career. What do you do for your career? And that content can be very inspirational for a kid because for one, Typically, kids look to people that look like them. Um, many of our kids um, are either African-American or Hispanic, and they look for role models. We have an equal amount of boys that we do girls. So we need every type of person that looks all kinds of different ways mm-hmm. to be role models for these kids. So anybody out there can do that. That's a 10-minute exercise. Um, just reach out to us, and we can help you there. But obviously, if you're part of a company, um, we do a lot of big things with companies like the things we've mentioned already. So we're super excited uh, to get our word out on your show and help you guys on the show. But we hope some people out there will say, hey, I want to get involved. Um, right now, we've got about 30 partner companies in the Bay Area. Nice. That's a that's a really easy thing to do, right? 10 minutes out of your day, just do a video real quick, send it in on you know what your story is, what you've, how you've accomplished what you've accomplished in your career to give those kids inspiration and to share and shed light on the possible opportunities. Absolutely. Yeah. That that you'll be surprised about what an impact that little thing said. And I'll give you a personal example. So I was hmm, maybe 14 or 15 and um, <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> sorry, uh, I'm getting giggles. I was 14 or 15 and there was a guy, this guy named John Lilly, who knew my family and my grandparents, I think, had passed at the time. And, you know, we there was a lot of drug and, and violence and crime around me all, at all times when I was little. And he said something to me and it was so it was a two minute thing. He said, you know, you really don't need to be like them. You really have an opportunity like you're really smart with math. And there's he is the first guy to say the word computer to me, I think. He said, you know, there's this thing called computers that your math background would help. And he just it was it. It was like a one liner. And I don't know, maybe I was. 14 or something like that. And that stuck with me. So when my girlfriend's dad said, hey, I got this computer, I had all this confidence for no reason that I could pick up that computer and do something because this guy told me two years ago that, hey, you're a smart kid. You could go down this different path. That was a two-liner. Right. So if you're talking about six or eight minutes, the, the, just that one word of encouragement for somebody that looks like you or sounds like you or feels like you can have such an impact. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, we're going to step away from Think Big for just a little bit. Yes, I can keep talking. That's probably good <laughs> to get me out Is of it that. story time? It's story time. So, <laughs> I was telling Ash, I have these two favorite stories of you. Uh-oh. Two of my favorite stories. So the first one is whenever we were at a Christmas party together, all of us, it was like a, there was a bunch of business people there. And um, Ash and I, and I don't think we had really had a chance to talk to you too much. Of course, we knew who you were. I think we had met 
Um, but Ash and I were kind of over in the corner talking like we usually do. And um, we're, we, you know, we were getting ready to start our podcast. And that's what we were talking about, by the way. So we were talking about um, how we wanted to have Tony on our podcast. And we were looking at him and we were talking and Tony caught us. And he looked at us and could clearly tell that we were talking about him. So then we looked away really quick. <laughs> and So sly. Yeah. And so you guys are smooth. <laughs> he immediately walked right up to us and is like, I know you were talking about me. I'm calling you out. And we were like, ugh. Like, <laughs> totally didn't even know what to say. Do you remember that? Point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I think right at that time, I dropped my drink, and I was, you know, flushed. She was like, I need, I need a... Something. <laughs> like, to confuse the situation, let me drop my drink real quick. Distraction. You, you dropped it on the floor, and I, I think I cleaned it up. <laughs> wow, that was a really yeah. good distraction. Yeah. yeah. Smooth one. Yeah, smooth. Uh, my, the second story is my favorite, though. Okay, so the second story, my second favorite story I have of you. Do you know what it is yet? No. Okay, so we were golfing together okay. at the golf tournament, <laughs> and uh, we were on a team together, and it was me and Ash in a golf cart, and then you and Amy Alley in a golf cart, and we we uh, get up to this like little walk bridge. It was our last hole, bridge, yeah, of 18. our scramble, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so um, Ash, who is a, I think she was a former NASCAR driver in her previous, clearly, life, yes, absolutely, um, decides that she can go across this little. Like path, walkway, path, bridge. It's definitely a walkway. With the golf cart. So she. she I did the measurement in my head and it clearly would fit. Clearly. And she probably had about two centimeters on each side. <laughs> she was trying to pull into this thing and Tony just watched her like, this is, this is going to not work. Tony, you were like, no, this isn't going to fit. I was like, no, I, I bet you it's going to fit. You're like, no, I bet you it's so not going to fit. They get out. And so Tony bet us this is not going to fit. And Ash is like, yes, it is. So they measured it in golf clubs and Ash won. Oh, yeah. She, she not only won on that. She also called the putt exactly <laughs> to the inch. I mean, you, whatever skill you have, some weird superhero skill where you can look at distance and say, that's exactly 36 inches. That's exactly, I mean, that is incredible because the golf cart had literally two centimeters on each side. It would have fit. You were dead right. I would have never guessed in a million years it would fit. But you, uh, I don't know what that is. You, you need to apply to Guinness for something. Skills. Measuring skills. skills. Measuring, measuring skills. skills. Yes. That's got to be good for something. That's all those years. Cheering, I'm guessing something. something. I don't know. Yeah. So we um, just so everybody knows that wasn't an off-color comment. You were a cheerleader for yes. the box. So. Yes. <laughs> Let's just be clear that I didn't mean that just because you were a woman that you would cheer. You actually were a cheerleader. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Cool. So um, we're going to ask you some questions and try to answer these in a few sentences or less. Are you trying to say I was no. too verbose on the other, <laughs> other ones? No, but these are like kind of rapid fire sure. questions. Go, go quick. Okay. So if you can go back in time and tell your younger self anything, what would it be? I love this question. Hmm. Rapid fire. Give me, give me another one. I don't know. All right. All right. Give me another one. Come back to Let's that see. one so I can think about that one. What are your next big plans? Yeah, you know, for me, think big is the next big plan. Like we just started it, and so um, I have other ideas on using my story 
um, to draw attention to Think Big. So I've been approached about a book and some other teaching materials, like what I learned and how do we turn that into teaching materials for kids. But everything, all my ideas around next big things are all Think Big related. So... Everyone knows about all of your successes, right? That biography I just said, plus some, right? But tell me about a failure, right? Because I feel like that's like the time when you really learn about something. So tell me about a big failure um, and what did you learn from it? I, you know, this question comes up a lot, and I think people are just gluttonous for <laughs> negative stuff. Oh, no way. But I am glad to share. I Listen, there's many I think anytime you're an entrepreneur, you're going to be very comfortable with no and failure and and rejection. And I, listen, I've got plenty of that in my background. The the one that stands out on a business front, I'm assuming it's a business question, not a personal personal one, because I've got plenty of personal ones. But, um, <laughs> On the business side, you know, in the Tribridge story, we we actually, even though we got to 175 million, we had what I would call a lot of business lines. We tried a lot of things, and one of the ones that we tried was that was a complete bust. Was that we were going to offer marketing services, and so we were an IT firm at the time offering IT services before we had the cloud, and we had a lady that was really a good friend and a real strategic thinker um, convince us that we should launch a, around digital marketing services. And it was probably pre-digital, so it was just marketing services. And talked me into it. It was a great idea. And for 18 months, we made a run at it. And it was a complete failure. We just, nobody bought the story. And, and the lesson I took from it that I use all the time in evaluating companies and working as a board member in for-profit businesses is the buyer was so different. The buyer of the marketing side of the business was so different than the IT side of the business. Mm -hmm. And at that time, there wasn't digital marketing, so it was completely separate. So selling creative services and print, all that, just everything. Think about marketing strategy, brand strategy, um, buying advertisement, doing print work, all all of that was Mm -hmm. a service. And it just didn't fit, right? We, We couldn't tell a story to the customer of what that was. So I walked away saying, I'm not gonna do that again. I'm always going to look at service lines or acquisitions through the eyes of the customer and then decide if it's a good idea. And I didn't do that. I just looked at it through the internal eyes right. and it sounded great right. until the customer said, it doesn't, it doesn't fit your brand. Right. So it was a good lesson for me. And that was a while back, but it was a good lesson. Yeah, that's a good one. How would your employees describe you in three words? I love this one. Ooh, man. I'm going to try to keep it positive. <laughs> Please. So, um, focus and driven, if whatever word that is, that's one word, but that, that combination of focus and driven is something that has stayed with me since I was a little kid, but definitely um, companies I've worked for and people I've worked with have said that to me a lot. Um, fair. Um, often, I think people have come to me and we've come up with a fair solution. You know, I've been in leadership positions for a really long time. And so you're constantly dealing with, uh, you know, things that aren't working well and um, you got to make a judgment call. And I feel like I balance that. And um, the last one is just, I feel I've heard this a lot that just I'm, I'm a giver. You know, my first instinct is to give. Um, not that it's good or bad. It sounds like I'm trying to compliment myself, but my first way of thinking is how do I give to someone else first and then eventually good karma, you know, we all benefit. But mm-hmm. um, I think those are the three things. If you ask me negative things, I would use other foul language, which you don't want on your radio <laughs> show. But I think those are the three that would stand out. Those are great. Yeah. Did you think of your other answer to the first question? You know, um, 
what, tell me what the question was again, just so I don't mess it up. If you could go back in time and tell your oh, yeah. younger self something, what yeah. would it be? Yeah, the, the downside of being super focused in my earlier life is, man, I was so on all the time. And I'm not sure, I think it's taken me a long time to learn how to enjoy it. Right. And, I, and, and as I talk to my girls, you know, trying to balance that super focused, super serious, go get it with enjoying the ride. And so... In hindsight, I feel like I've enjoyed everything, but I know in the moment I had many people tell me, man, aren't you enjoying this? Aren't like, do you realize where this is? And never felt that way till maybe about 10 years ago. And I'm like, oh man, this is pretty cool. And I mostly have enjoyed it through the eyes of other people's kind of accomplishments. Like I've seen other people do well and then I'm like, oh, I'm enjoying watching that. Mm-hmm. So that, that that's just always been a hard thing for me. Yeah, I like that. I feel like we get that a lot from Dan, right? We're starting Next Path and, sure. you know, he always tells us, oh, back in Veritas days, like this is what I loved, you know? So I, I keep getting those checkpoints and saying, yeah, okay, I need to not be stressed. I need to enjoy this. Yeah. It kind of like puts me in check, right? You feel that right. way too? And I feel like that's a good lesson to live by in all of life like I I try to remember that whenever I'm with my kids because sometimes it's like oh like you're so stressed out and you're just like you know stop doing that you're making a mess and then you just have to step back and just think to yourself like these days are just you know numbered and soon it's going to be over so enjoy Enjoy Be the present. Moment, yeah. right? Be present. It's hard. I think it's hard as a parent because you're so worried about the outcome instead of being in the moment. Um, but we're all, I think we're all guilty of it. But when you do enjoy it, it's special when you're a parent, for sure. Mm-hmm. That is true. So another question. If you could have one superpower, anyone you wanted, what would you choose and why? <laughs> <laughs> wow. One superpower. I'm, my mind immediately went to who the superheroes are that I like, but do I like those superpowers? Right. Um, hmm. One superpowers. I, I, I don't know. I, um, you could pick a couple. It's all right. I can pick a couple. Sure, go ahead. Uh, I want to hear. I, the flying thing just seems cool. <laughs> um, being right. able to kind of fly over things and go where you want, um, especially in this COVID world, right. like not having to get on an airplane. Clearly. I wouldn't fly high, though. I don't love heights, so <laughs> I think I would fly low to the ground. Um, so I'd be one of those guys flying six feet off the ground um, and running into all kinds of buildings. So <laughs> You have to stop at traffic lights, though. That's true. Six that's, feet off the ground? I have to go eight. Then. Come on. You're measurement queen yeah. over here. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to Trust you to tell me how, how high to fly. I, I think flying would probably be the cool one. And then um, I think the Wonder Woman truth rope um, would be, I guess that's not a superpower, but uh, remember she put the rope around people and they would have to tell her the truth. Oh, um, that's a good one. That is a good one for yeah. lots of situations, both personally right. and uh, in business. So. That's a good creative I like, one. I like I, that one. Yeah, I do like that yeah. one. I forget about her. Plus my wife loves Wonder Woman, so. Who doesn't? Yeah, well, true, (laughs) especially in the current. Well, I'm sure a lot of people admire you, right? But tell us maybe one or two people that you admire. (sighs) Like people I know or people I don't know? Mm. Either. Yeah. Okay. Um, Some of these will sound a little canned, like... I've just been a big fan of Abraham Lincoln my whole life. Like, I've read a lot of books about him. And the the couple things that stand out about him that I really like is um, he was such a giver. Like, his whole mindset about 
kind of our democracy and what was going on in our country in the 1860s, 50s and 60s, um, I just thought was really incredible. And he had family hardships and all that. Um, you know, he had a, a kid die. His wife had mental mental illness. And he put people on his cabinet that hated him, that were on the other party. He had 300 assassination attempts against him. Um, and he still would go horseback riding at night by himself without a secret service. Mm-hmm. So there was something about Abraham Lincoln that I just found fascinating. Um, I think he's our greatest president for sure. But I just felt like he was so giving and so thoughtful about the country and he had foresight, um, which now seems, you know, even more important based on things going on in the country. So that's one. You know, I think locally there are, like, I've had a lot of mentors that I look up to. Tom Wallace is one who, you know, I feel like has done a ton for me and thinks so differently than I think about business and really... Um, I think helped me more than probably any executive. George Gordon's the other one. If you guys remember George, he doesn't live here now, but was here for about 20 years. George is a great leader. His leadership skills were just outstanding. And I remember being around both of those guys for a lot from about 2000 to 2010. And it really shaped a lot of the way that I led Tribridge. And so those two, I think, uh, were, were good role models for me. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. One last question. What's the one thing that you do that drives your wife crazy? <laughs> we had to do it. Oh, my gosh. You should have asked her I that know. Question. Bring her in here. You know, I, I believe I'm a pretty lucky guy. Like, she's, um, she's a patient person. What do I do that drives her crazy? I'm, I'm probably still too impatient for life. And so I got to believe that drives her nuts. Um I strive to make things better all the time. So that's probably the second one. So like if I'm on a recipe, I'm the cook in our house. And so if I make something, I just can't get happy with it. So I'm like the next iteration, the next, and I'm futzing with it forever. And she's like, man, this is awesome. Or at least she's lying to me and saying it's awesome. Right. And she didn't want me to change she's it. She's like, be quiet. It's shut fine. Up. Yeah. 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 Shut, shut up. up. Fine. Right. So I do the same thing because I don't actually write down my recipes. Right. I just it's make it yeah. and I taste it and drink some wine and pour some in and Oh, I like kind of like change it up yeah. every time. I, yeah, I don't make it the same, but I do write it down and then I keep changing the formula. So, um, and ingredients matter. Well, we're talking about cooking now, but ingredients matter. So, you know, if the tomatoes are more ripe, if the basil's more ripe, if, you know, mm-hmm. the heat and the salt create a different caramelization, I mean, all that matters. So, mm-hmm. if you're not tasting the food as you go, you don't really know. Right. So, I change everything every time I execute, um, but I also make fundamental changes to the um, ingredients as well. Mm-hmm. So, we have a fun quiz for you. Okay. So, being a starter of a nonprofit youth organization and leader in many companies, how connected are you with young people today? It depends on the topic. You know, music is one of those that you have to decide whether, I think as you get older, you know, music is, you, you kind of resonate with the older music, but... I have daughters that completely, I have a 25-year-old daughter, and then I have a daughter that's nine. And so my 25-year-old daughter likes music from 15 years ago, and my youngest daughter likes music today. And Shannon, my wife, likes current music. So I would say I'm connected at a on a scale of one to 10, maybe a three or four. So I will go to concerts, um, like I saw Bruno Mars and others that are more outside of my genre. And... and um, 
trying to think who I went to for my other daughter. Panic at the Disco. Like I would have never go to those on my own. Okay. I, so those. So I think I'm. I'm moderate. All right, let's there. let's let's have you prove this. Oh no! <laughs> so, oh no! Tell me, um, if you have FOMO, what do you have? Um, FOMO. I do know what this is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this, you guys shouldn't have gave me a cocktail. <laughs> FOMO. I do know this. Why am I drawing a blank? <laughs> Shoot. Why am I? I'm, Tell us if you tell give me, up. tell me. Yeah, give up? Yes. Okay. Well, how about? Are you going to tell me? Should I tell him the answer? Yeah, tell me yeah. the answer. Because I'm going to be mad at myself for not remembering. It's fear of missing, missing out. out. Dang, I didn't. Uh huh. Yes. You did know that. You I knew it. I just it forgot. Okay. I forgot. That's a texting one. So I was in the. I was thinking music. I'm like, who's phone <laughs> out? Did I miss that band? Right. About. Right. Oh man, I literally was going the music route. Yes, okay, so I do now, know that time. Now you know kind of the feel. Well, yeah, the sure. Feel. What does YOLO stand for? YOLO. I don't know that. It sounds like yogurt. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea what YOLO is. This is going to be ugly. On the tape. You only live once. I don't know that one. Okay, I like that one. Yeah, that's a good one. That's about being purposeful, so I love it. How about? Do you know what a filter is? Um, I do, but I got a feeling that it's different than. <laughs> What's your definition? You're about a filter, of a filter on like a um, Instagram filter. Oh, oh. yes. So, yeah, I knew what that yes, is. Yes, I sure. am. Yeah, they're on social media. Platforms. I didn't know if you meant a HEPA Take filter a that's on airplanes <laughs> for the COVID um, thing, but no, I knew I know what it is for pictures. And nice. Stuff. Okay. Woo! Ding! Got I, that one right. I'm one, halfway there. One out of three. One and a half. Hey, the first one I sort of got. You did Fear halfway when I led you down she the said, path. You're right. <laughs> you did okay. lead me. Yes. I'll give you a, a quarter for that one. Oh, man. All right. That's brutal. If you hashtag something, what are you doing? If you're hashtagging it, you're trying to draw attention to a group of people to connect around a term. Okay. And so you're trying to like get group think around something and build momentum. Services. Okay, yeah. You got that right. Yeah. Yeah. We'll give my, you that. That's my verdict. Give me that. That was good enough. <laughs> Damn. Was this make Tony feel bad part of this? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm teasing. All right. If someone tells you to DM them, what do they want you to do? Direct message. I oh, wow. Yes. Easy. That was I'm an easy one. Uh, <laughs> All right. You're probably going to get this then. If okay. someone's feeling salty about something, then how do they feel? Salty? Salty. Uh, to me, salty is like crusty, not comfortable, irritated. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Ding, ding. That right. I didn't even know that was a current thing. I think that's an old one. Is it? Maybe that's it more came current. Back. It, it came, came back. back. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. back in that's style. True. There's a lot of 70s things that are coming back mm-hmm. now. That's so. true. Yeah. All right. What is a handle? Uh, it's like a code name. It's like the old CB thing. So that's also a 70s thing. A handle is like an alternative name. Yeah. I would, I would give him that one. Yeah, that's an old, the handle's an oh, okay. old concept. Yeah. It must have been before our time. Yeah. <laughs> you guys were, yeah, when I said 1981, I don't think either of you were born, by the way. So. Uh, well, thank you. Yeah, we'll You're take welcome. that. All right, so I think you got like four out of seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty good. Yeah. So I, I thought it was four point something. Oh, 25. Yeah, 4.25. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, I am old. All right, well, Tony, thank you so much for talking with us today, telling us about Think Big. 
Thank you to Next Path Career Partners and the Tampa Bay Way for having us here and for enabling all of this to happen. Man, it's my pleasure. I love what you guys are doing. The energy and what you're doing for the community is fantastic. So thank you. So much fun. Thank you guys so much. If you liked us, subscribe, um, comment. If there's anything that we didn't cover that you want to hear, of course, let us know. And until next time, live bold and boss up, babes. Radio Influence strives to bring you excellence in podcasting. We work with personalities like TV chef Brian Duffy, radio personalities like Ian Beckles, news and political pundits like independent journalists Frank and Tracy Beans, experts from the sports world like veteran football scout and coach Chris Landry, pro wrestling personality David Penzer, MMA experts Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan, and strength and conditioning coach Jeff Crushell. If you're looking for food, sports, music, entertainment, politics, no matter the topic, Radio Influence has something for everyone. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.